Did you miss our inaugural CBP Connects workshop in St. Louis? There is still time to grab your spot for our Norfolk, Virginia event this September 12th to 14th. Attendees in St. Louis described it as intimate, intentional, and enlightening. Join us this September in Virginia for three days of nonstop networking and education. Learn more at cbpconnects.com. That's cbpconnects.com. See you there. Hello, everybody. Five years ago, it seemed that the if you brew it, they will come mentality was pretty common in craft beer. That was when there was only 5,000 breweries, and now we're only at 9,000. And the importance of creating experiences is necessary for success. Today, we're going to talk about the why and the how behind transforming your brewery into a destination. But first, I'd like to meet everybody who's joining me today. And Wes, because you are to the right of me, you get to go first. All right. Thanks for having us, Andrew. So Appreciate you being here. My name is Wes Clark. I'm the chief of staff over at Harvest Toast. Harvest Toast is a one-of-a-kind RV membership program that connects RV travelers with small businesses across the country, including close to uh, four or 500 breweries uh, where folks can stay overnight in exchange for patronizing the business. So excited to tell folks more about that today and a cool way to diversify your brewery's revenue. And Wes, why are you passionate about helping create experiences? Uh, we love small businesses. Uh, we, we are a small business and we love helping other small businesses. That's, that's reason one. Um, and two, you know, working in the RV category, it's just such a unique way to travel the country to actually like experience America and have that iconic road trip rather than bouncing from campground to campground, um, you know, stay at a brewery, stay at a winery, stay at a working farm, such a super cool way to see the country and our members love it. Our hosts love it and excited to, to dive into that. And is it fair to assume you have an RV yourself? I actually don't. I've got two two small children, which prevent me from doing that uh, as much as I would like. But uh, hit the road every now and then um, when I can get away from home and love staying at all our locations. It's just... Awesome. I have a three-year-old, so I completely understand. <laughs> yes. Now, Jennifer, you are with Jester King. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I sit on the leadership team at Jester King. My technical title is actually innkeeper, which most people have, have never heard. Um, but I handle all of our lodging and um, hospitality for the brewery. Um, you know, we've been around for going on about 10, 11 years now. Um, you know, and we actually won gold at the World Beer Cup this year for our fruited farmhouse beer. So well, congratulations. Thank you. So we're a little bit, I wouldn't call us a grown up brewery, but we're kind of on the way. <laughs> now, looking at Jester King, obviously you have a lot of recognition for the great beer that you make, but when did becoming a destination become part of the experience you wanted to create as part of the brand? Yeah, absolutely. So we've always had a focus on conservancy, conservancy of the land and sustainability. Um, you know, so we, when we first started, kind of imagined our space as, you know, this nature's Disneyland all by itself. Um, but COVID actually gave us a lot of really great opportunities to start expanding our experiences. Um, you know, we're all outdoors. So even in the height of the pandemic, people were still able to, you know, once we were able to reopen, we were able to have people come in and be safe. You know, so that opened up a lot of uh, avenues for us to be able to expand on our experiences. And did I hear that your venue is 100% outdoors? It is. Yeah. So we have, um, you know, obviously misters, sunshades, you know, we do our best to keep everyone comfortable in the, in the, you know, Texas summer. 
Um, but yes, our other than the brew house itself, everything is outdoors. And even our, our brew house is actually kind of indoor outdoor. Awesome. I'm excited to learn more today. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Sash, you're up. What do you do at Harvest Host? Yeah, so I work as the host partnerships coordinator. So I work with a lot of state brewery guilds or wine growers associations, agritourism associations, um, bigger groups who are able to go out and share with their members about the opportunity to become a host. So on my day to day, I'm just looking for those connections where we can go out and connect with more small businesses. Uh, since we work with so many industries, I get to work with a lot of partners. So love to be here um, in the craft brewing space, of course, but I do get to work with lots of cool folks along the way. And you don't have to say, but craft beer is obviously your favorite industry, right? It is my favorite for sure. I love it. Scott, your turn. And I have to say it, you're on mute, Scott. But you're also in North Carolina, which isn't terribly too far from me. I think everybody here is on the East Coast, and this doesn't always happen. Yep. Uh, yes. So uh, Scott Cavendish, Cavendish Brewing Company in Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, outside of Charlotte. And uh, yeah, we're a micro brewery. We've been open five years. And uh, yeah, we, what can I tell you? We make great beer. It's been impressive to watch the growth of craft beer in the Charlotte area. It's just kind of gone exponential with the growth. It's fascinating to watch. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been uh, fascinating to be here. We're probably the 32nd brewery that opened in the city and they're pushing 90 now. So uh, it's, uh, you know, I thought we were the new guy, but now we're the now we're the, the old experience brewery. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, five years ago we were at five thousand. Now we've surpassed nine thousand. So yep. growth is still happening. Now, Scott, while I've got you, you know, today's conversation is about transforming your brewery into a destination. What would you simply define a destination as? Well, first, I would say we're already a destination. I love it. But second. Um, what is a destination is a place you want to go and uh, a place that will have experiences that uh, you'll enjoy and share and remember. I like it. And everybody else, I'd love for you to hop in. Just give a brief de definition of what you believe a destination is. Yeah. So for us, um, we actually kind of capture it in our, our mission statement, which is, you know, we combine a unique time, place and people, um, you know, to create our experiences and to give our guests, you know, their moment. Say we uh, harvesters probably think about destinations a little differently. We we think of the journey as the destination, to, to use the cliche, um, and try to connect folks with super cool places to stop along the way. Um, obviously, our members are, are out there on the road, taking their you know summer road trip or traveling full time, and they're looking for places to stay each night. Um, you know, sometimes stopping at campgrounds for longer periods, sometimes using harvest hosts for for an overnight or stringing a couple of those overnights along. And I, you know, I think our members look at uh, the Harvest House places they stay, like Cavendish and, and Jester King, as destinations and really, really cool tentpole destinations that are part of their trips and some of the highlights of their their travels. Um, certainly, looking at the reviews for Scott and Jennifer's operations, they seem like amazing destinations. Nothing but five star raving reviews about how awesome it is to come try the beers and check out the the food on site and interact with other guests and customers. So that's how, how we think about destinations here at Harvest House. And Sash, is there anything else you'd like to add? 
Yeah, I think also it's a great opportunity to maybe if you live in the city, you get to go out more to, to stay at a farm, you get to see something different, or maybe you work at a brewery and you've never seen how a winemaker does that. So you get to really have these shared experiences where you're learning what other people's trades are like. And I think that can become part of the destination as well. Absolutely. And let's get a little personal for a sec. We're going to dive into the beer world in just a moment. But for, for the four of you, you know, what's your favorite destination? What's your favorite experience in the world? If you could hop on a plane, hop in an RV and end up somewhere, you know, tomorrow, where would you be? Edinburgh, Scotland. <laughs> definitely a good place. What did you like so much about Scotland, Jennifer? Um, you know, so obviously the, the weather is much more temperate than we have here in Austin, Texas. So that's like number one. Um, but no, I, I'm a huge history nerd. Um, so, you know, getting able to being able to walk around and look at buildings that are a thousand plus years old, um, the amount of history and culture, you know, just present in your everyday life there, um, you know, appeals to me a lot. I love it. Yeah, Scotland's one of my favorite places to visit as well. It's been a while since I've been. Yeah, I went um, while I was pregnant with my daughter in 2019, and it was amazing. Anyone else? Favorite destination? Let's say uh, Bangkok and Thailand. And, Scott, uh, what did you like so much about visiting? Um, well, there's, there's it, first, it's completely different. Um, second, uh, the food is phenomenal. Every, every uh, really, they don't actually have kitchens in their small apartments. So the whole culture is built around street food. And anyone who has a barbecue can put it on the street. And there's, they make this one special thing that is amazing. And uh, you just go perusing and grazing down the streets, uh, eating everything and uh, phenomenal. And, and then there's all the culture as well, which is, uh, um, you know, if you want to see temples, if you want to see, you know, 2000 year old, whatever, it's all there. So uh, just just very interesting, uh, interesting place to go. Very cool. And Wes and Sash, I'd love to hear your personal favorites. Uh, I, I, I've had a chance to go to, to Thailand and I got to agree with Scott. The food is just out of this world. Um, every day was an amazing street food feast. So uh, it's Thai beer sprinkled in there as well. I'm, I'm sure Scott, you, you did a bit of that as well. Um, I'd say Paris is, is gotta be one of my favorite destinations. I don't know what it is, but like the light's different. The energy's different. It's just, everything's beautiful and it's a amazing city to get lost in. And again, the food scene, uh, also pretty top notch, so hard to beat that. So I, I put that up there as one of my, my favorite destinations for sure. And last but not least, Sash. I'm gonna stay local. So my husband and I packed up our house and we live full time out of our RV and traveled the United States. And we saw so much across the whole country that we were like, we don't even have to leave here to, to see so much beauty and experience so much. So right here in our homeland, I would say. So I held off on asking you earlier if you had an RV because I didn't want to get the West answer. If you're not, yeah, having, no offense, West, but it sounds amazing that you do have one. So you travel across the country. What's been a highlight in your recent adventures? Um, I think just like I, we enjoy staying outside of the norm, not in a campground, maybe, you know, off the beaten path a little bit. We like to do a lot of hiking. So it's fun to get out of the city and experience life kind of off the grid a little bit. 
it's been really interesting to hear all of you speak of, you know, what that perfect destination is for you. There's been beer, there's been food, there's been wine, there's been nature. There's been just unique experiences you can't get everywhere else. And I think that probably contributes to why all of you have tried to and are successfully creating these experiences at your places of work or helping breweries do the same. Now, Jennifer, I was on your website today and you have an amazing image. And this image is a map of your property. Can you tell me about what we find at Jester King? Oh, okay. Well, we only have an hour, so I will keep it short. Um, you know, so we bought uh, the full 165 acres um, in 2015, I believe. And then in 2018, we purchased the N, which is the part that I run. So what we have overall, we have 165 acres. Um, that includes three different bars, um, you know, uh, basically a big pole barn for food. We have a herd of Nigerian dwarf goats. Um, about 60 of those guys running around. Uh, we have an event hall um, on the back part of our property that manages weddings um, and concerts and, and other large events. Um, you know, uh, in addition to the inn, which hosts our smaller, more private, intimate, uh, you know, 25 to 50 uh, events there. We have a 2.1 mile nature trail that goes around the edge of our property. Um, we also have uh, our vineyard. Uh, we've been, you know, just getting our Texas is a tough place to grow grapes, but we've been working on that. We also have a hop yard um, and uh, we grow our own CBD, Texas legal CBD. Um, so we have a lot going on. Um, you know, we, we also grow some of our own fruit, like peaches. Um, you know, so basically we're slowly growing working farm. Um, you know, we've been expanding our, our animal program. Um, we've got some bunnies on site. Um, you know, basically, um, yeah, so basically we have a little, a little bit of everything. We have a new place being put in last summer. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the disturbs. Uh, you know, so basically a little bit of something for everything. Jennifer, your audio is going a little in and out right now. Okay. That's better. Perfect. No, it was fantastic stumbling upon that map because it really just shows the scope of the landscape you've created to make it a complete destination. And I thought it was fun that when I was looking at your Google reviews like Wes was doing, you know, number one is sour beers. But number two, do you have any guesses? Do you know what number two is for mentions in your Google reviews? I don't. What would your guess be? Oh, Lord. Um, probably the goats. It was the goats. The goats <laughs> have hundreds of mentions in your Google reviews. Yeah, they are definitely a crowd favorite. Um, we do a thing in the spring called Doom Metal Goat Yoga um, when the babies are born. Uh, so basically baby goat yoga. Um, but all year round, you know, we do experiences. People get to go on goat walks, learn not only about our herd, but about general care and feeding of goats and, and how to keep those kind of herds healthy. So we have an amazing farm team that manages all of that. Awesome. Now, Scott, let's talk about your brewery for a second. For Cavendish Brewing, you know, obviously beer is the anchor of our industry. You got to make great beer. But looking at the experience, what a guest who come to your tap room, what, what's it like? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very different experience uh, other than being awesome, right? Um, but uh, yeah, our, uh, we're about 20 miles outside of Charlotte in, uh, in really a suburban it's not i mean it's still city right we're in a, in a small suburb satellite city around charlotte and uh we basically purchased the entire block of uh downtown 
um, and that became uh, the home of the brewery. Um, so uh, um, I wish we had goats. We, we have had, we do have my one employee that has goats and they've been here once, but I uh, never tried yoga with them, um, but they're, they're cute. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, claim to fame, um, you know, our building in 1952 was a Studebaker dealer, dealership and uh, where they built old cars. And we have the original architects rendering on the wall with uh, all the old cars parked around uh, the showroom, which is now the tap room. And then uh, the big mechanic shop behind it is the brew house. Um, and that's uh, so, you know, a lot of old, old buildings and old, old building problems. Um, that uh, that eventually uh, resulted in uh, us making turning into a, a brewery um, with all the you know heavy duty floors and garage doors and uh, the extra height for big beer tanks, three phase power and all the fun stuff. Um, but uh, now as far as claim to fame, I would say uh, um, the beer beer is amazing. Um, we have a pretty avid following for for good beer. Um, you know uh, when I opened the place and even today. We specialize in old world styles, so Belgian, German, and British beers, and uh, it just seems like everyone else makes an IPA now, and all in like 12 of them. Um, we make very good IPAs, but we also make all those other things that people forgot, and, uh, and so, you know, it's a good following. Um, beyond beer, it's uh, as far as what makes it a, a fun place to be is, uh, number one is the people, right? We uh, it's family friendly. We have uh, little couches set up in like living rooms in the tap room with weeds and playstations for all the kids to play. And kids go play, and the parents have a beer, and maybe they get together and play cornhole or pool or something. And then maybe they go their separate ways and, and, uh, and each get some time apart. Um, so uh, it, it's very much known as uh, you know a very family friendly atmosphere where everyone can have a good time. Uh, even my own kids will uh, come to work with me um, and not complain too much. Um, and, uh, and then beyond that, of course, is the pizza. We make uh, amazing pizzas on top with, uh, with our uh, 800 degree artisan oven. So beer, pizza, and people. And, uh, and that's, what, uh, that's what our place is. I read a, a quote in an article about you all a while back, and it pretty much mentioned it felt like hanging out in your living room but not having to do the cleanup. Yep. Exactly. Which I think everybody likes that. You know, that's one reason we go out. We go out for a different experience that we don't want to make that mess in our home and have someone else's delicious food, delicious pizza, enjoy their space, which is always nice. Yeah. And you can have, you can get food and, and uh, um, drink anywhere. But uh, I think what people really want is the experience. So, uh, you know, you could like, you like going places where you meet people and have good conversations and you feel welcome. And, uh, and you go back to those places. And that's Absolutely. what we now, Wes and Sash, both of you interact with so many different breweries and wineries. Are there any themes you see with regard to the businesses that you work with? Yeah, I mean, I, maybe it might be worthwhile to just take two seconds to explain our program for folks that don't fully understand it. Uh, and Jennifer and Scott are both on our, our network, which is amazing. Um, so we're a membership program. We have over 200,000 RVers that pay $99 a year to access our network. And our network is almost 4,000 host locations. And these host locations are small businesses, farms, including almost 500 breweries. Um, we've got a couple hundred wineries, over 1,300 farms, uh, museums, you know, random outdoor activity centers, et cetera. So 
folks can travel around the country in their RV. They have to have a self-contained RV with a toilet, um, you know, bring their own power, bring their own water, et cetera. Uh, and then they can stay at these host locations. So stay at these almost 4,000 locations just for a single night. And all they require is a place to park. So piece of gravel, piece of dirt, asphalt, whatever you have, right? Something level-ish. Um, no hookups required, no water required, no electric required. And then these folks, and they're amazing people. Uh, our members are just, they're the best. Uh, super interesting folks, super friendly. And they're also on vacation looking to have a good time. And so they stay one night for free at these host locations. In exchange, they patronize the business. Average uh, members spending 50 bucks a night, and that's on average. Uh, a lot of folks are spending a lot more coming in, dropping a couple hundred bucks. Uh, supporting the local business, getting to know the owners and hosts, uh, which is, I think, the most surprising thing I've noticed over the years is uh, a lot of hosts join for the revenue and the marketing and exposure to this, you know, couple hundred thousand folks looking for, for breweries and wineries and farms to visit. Uh, and then you you talk to them and they say that far and away, the people are their favorite part. And it's just a super interesting crowd and they've got stories and they're down to earth and they're excited to be there and uh, patronizing the business and really happy to see America that way and to travel the world that way. So I think, uh, you know, that's what our host would say. I, hopefully that's what you guys would say as well about the program. It's just, it's a, it's an interesting business proposition, but it's also a really interesting community of folks that are just out there having a good time, meeting new people and enjoying this community of, travelers and host. And Jennifer, you know, you have such a beautiful grounds and you have an inn, you have cabins, you have camping. I'd love to learn a little bit more about your experience so far with Harvest Hosts. Yeah. So um, we actually just joined earlier this year, um, you know, and it was a recommendation from one of the other members of our leadership team that does, that's a member and, and travels and um, was pretty familiar with the platform. We have had nothing but good experiences with the Harvest Hosts guest. Um, you know, so we only offer five spaces a night. Um, you know, we have a basically a gravel parking lot that's pretty level. So we have them down there. Um, and I mean, we've we've had just great experiences. They they talk to our staff. Our staff is very knowledgeable um, about our different beers and everything. And so the reviews we get from the from the members is that, you know, they really enjoy our staff. They enjoy our grounds. They enjoy the goats. <laughs> um, and from our side, we you know, they're they're comparatively to our other guests that stay, um, incredibly low maintenance. So, you know, that part's really lovely. Um, you know, the uh, shout out to Wes and Sash, the, the website itself and platform all work really, really well. Um, I manage most of the stuff from my cell phone. Um, so that's, that's really nice. Um, you know, and, and like I said, the, the guests are probably my favorite part. <laughs> awesome. Now you have a, a beautiful ground and Scott, I'd never been to Charlotte area, North Carolina, but I imagine it's a little more urban, correct me if I'm wrong, than potentially where Jennifer is out in Texas. You know, that's what's the environment correct. like? Yeah, that's correct. What, so how does Harvest Host play out when people come in their RVs for your facility? Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's a little bit different being in a city environment. Um, uh, you know, we, uh, we provide, you know, all the great parts of, uh, place to go and uh, food and people and a good experience. Um, for us, uh, probably the big detractor is the fact there's a city there. Um, and you occasionally have to deal with city crap, like, uh, you know, a, a homeless guy walking by or, um, you know, somebody that doesn't make 
uh, you know, maybe uh, I think over the years we've had one person knock on somebody's RV door and ask for food, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, in a couple of years that will happen in the city. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, mostly, though, it's a safe experience. Um, but the problems that you see are the problems that affect everywhere in the country. And uh, it just uh, you benefit by being out in the country where, you know, maybe you don't see homeless people. But uh, unfortunately, that exists and and we just have to work around it. And when the guests come to um, your brewery, Scott, you know, what are some of the things they get excited about that may be different from, you know, say, visiting Jester King? But I imagine, you know, Wes and Sash, a lot of people on the Harvest Host Network for the host side, you know, are more destination based, like more a little remote in the country, you know, off the beaten path. If sure. I'm wrong, correct me on that one. So. I'd love to hear Scott, you know, your, your thoughts on how the experience is a little bit different. Yeah, I think, I think there may be, um, there might be a more functional aspect of it where, you know, uh, grandparents are going to see their kids, uh, six States away, or they're going to see a race in Florida or they're, they're crossing country and, and, you know, we're on a major interstate in a major city. Um, so, uh, you know, their, their plan is just a cheap place to stay on the way. And, uh, and then they end up getting surprised with a really great experience. So, um, you know, there's a functional aspect, but uh, it we've been a good, I mean, you guys have the numbers, but um, we've been a good enough stop that people come and they specifically come back uh, to stay with us on the return trips or on future trips. And, and we end up with a lot of repeat uh, or people that stay with us. It's always nice to have a familiar face come by. That, that's amazing. I, I like hearing that. Now, we've talked a lot about just how the general facilities impact someone's experience, but I'd love to hear, and Jennifer, you touched on it a little bit, about the events, the activities that you have. You know, what are some of the strategies that's helped you with successful event planning, whether it's, you know, say a one-off concert or simply doing, you know, having video games available for Scott to play? What are some of the successful strategies you've had for creating those successful activities or events? Yeah, so for us, we realized about a year ago that, um, you know, our marketing dollars can only go so far. And, you know, and getting the word out to people is definitely one of our biggest challenges. And the way we came up to solve that, um, you know, without taking on a bunch of extra expenses was to go through programming and to start adding, you know, these events and experiences to to what we were already doing. Um, and we've, we've always had a few big events every year. You know, we do... Um, Doom Forge, which is our heavy metal day where we release our stouts. Um, you know, our spawn days are always really popular when we're, you know, because we that's not something you get to see a lot in America. Um, you know, and then, you know, so but we started adding on to that, um, you know, with weekly uh, Scott, I saw on your website that you guys do this too with trivia, um, you know, bingo nights, we we add a two step night, um, you know, and then and then also specialty programming for holidays, um, you know, so for like Labor Day, we're going to do a kite festival. Um, you know, so just kind of trying to diversify the the different groups we want to pull in. Um, you know, we have a run club and a cycling club, um, you know, to really trying to just cast the net as broad as we can without sacrificing quality of what we're trying to do. You have mentioned a lot of kinds of events, Jennifer. How many people are helping out with the production of these? Yeah, so um, we actually run pretty lean on that side. Um, our now all of our staff gets in and, and helps run the day of, um, you know, and we employ, if I remember the number is right, about sixty-five people total. Um, so you know, we're not we're not a large company by any means. Um, 
our, you know, our event team specifically is around, I believe, four to 10 people, depending on the time of year. Um, but we also have a, we have a public events manager, a private events manager, a, you know, director of events. So we, you know, we do put a lot of resources into that side. And looking at these events, you know, it takes a lot of people in a lot of different apartments to make them come together. How are you passing along information to everyone so that when event day comes, they know their role and where they need to be, what they need to do, you know, any tips for communication? Yeah. So um, we've always taken a kind of a top down effect on communication. Um, you know, our we trust our department heads. We put the right people in the right seats um, and then make sure that they are empowered to be able to do what they need to do. So, you know, we meet every week to go through, here's what the events are happening. You know, we get nitty gritty on the details of this is how many people are going to be there. This is, you know, this is what their roles are. And then we let those department heads kind of design out and, and do the nitty gritty of the details from there. Awesome. Now, Scott, I'd love to hear about some of the events that you're doing and any tips you have for making things go smooth and just kind of creating that community vibe you've talked about. Yeah. Um, so um, I guess as we started out, we, um, we didn't really know what events to have, so we really spitballed things and threw it against the wall and saw what stuck. Um, five years later, we have a pretty good idea what works. Uh, um, events like music bingo on Friday nights are probably, you know, people be falling out the doors, 50-year-olds dancing on tables, and it, it gets ridiculous. Um, you know, typically live music once a week on, on uh, Saturdays. Um, we have, uh, we don't have goats, but we have yoga by the tanks. And we'll actually open the brew house out and let people do their yoga by the big beer tanks. And it's amazing how they can do those poses and still drink their beer at the same time. Um, you know, we also were became uh, famous early on for nerd events because we're all pretty nerdy, eclectic people. Um, you know, we've had Doctor Who events where he rented the TARDIS and brought it into the brew house. Um, we've had uh, Monty Python events with... Uh, you know, people in armor and, and vicious, uh, you know, rabbits and, and argument booths. Um, you know, we've had uh, Game of Thrones events. We've had uh, Star Wars and Star Trek mixers where your Klingons can meet your Wookiee. And, and uh, just, um, you know, we've had people, you know, our, our Harry Potter events are pretty big. We actually brew butterbeer um, at the brewery once a year. And uh, we'll have people drive from Atlanta, and because uh, we'll we'll bring in a wizard rock band, and uh, and um, you know, and everybody can wear their house colors and uh, compare their frogs to their pet rats, and um, so it just uh, you know, just makes it a very interesting interesting place, and uh, it's amazing how many interesting people we have out there. You had me at wizard rock band. What was the name of that group? Oh. Uh, Gosh. No, I put you on the spot, but I figured it has to be something just spectacular. No, oh, it is. Uh, the Blibbering Humdingers. <laughs> that is definitely a good one. Have you done a beer in their honor yet? Any collabs? Not yet, but I know what it's called. They're, well, probably one of their biggest hits is the song called The Hufflepuff Sandwich. So, anyway. I'm sure that's a great time for everybody who attends that event. You know, oh, yeah. And a lot of things you and Jennifer have referenced are, you know, events that not just you are doing internally, but you're working with partners outside of your brewery. And Wes and Sash, I'd love your feedback on this because there's so many aspects that go into a partnership. So for all of you, you know, whether you're looking to partner with a brewery who's interested in being a host or Jennifer and Scott, if you're looking to partner with a wizard rock band or, you know, vetting the right goats to come to yoga on Sunday, you know, how do you find the right partners to work with? Any tips that you've experienced that have been valuable? I think on our side, you know, we're looking for folks that are 
intellectually curious and, and looking to bring value to their members or their organization, uh, open to new ideas. I always say that we're, we're not a particularly complex program, but we're highly unique. And so people with an open mind of like, hey, that would be kind of cool to drive a little extra business and bring in some RV travelers and hear their stories and you know, fill up some off nights, get some passive marketing out of it, but also just do something different, be open to trying things. Uh, I, I think that's kind of the foundation is just that level of trust and uh, everybody looking for ways to add value in creative manners. No, that's a great explanation. Jennifer, how about you? You know, when you're looking for partners, whether it's maybe a community organization, music, you know, how are you seeking them out and how are they finding you? Yeah, so um, <laughs> we we pretty much focus on hyper local as much as we can when it comes to partnerships. Um, you know, the same way that our community has has lifted us up in the last ten years. You know, we want to do the same thing for other small businesses. Um, you know, so we look for people who kind of match our. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the word, but <laughs> basically, kind of our mission, our our goals and values. Um, you know, so people who really care about sustainability and being able to, you know, our, our goal is that all of our people will still have jobs in 10 years, you know, so we look for people who, who are looking for that same kind of longevity, um, you know, but also bring a compliment to our business and we can compliment theirs. Are there ever times when you tell someone who approaches you about doing an event that you feel it may not be a good fit? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you handle something so hard like that? Um, honestly, I farm it out to our director of events because she's way better at that than I am. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, you have to grow a little bit of a thick skin cause you do have to protect your brand. You have to protect, you know, what you're doing. Um, and I think that that, that, you know, kind of gives you a pathway to say like, Hey, you know, this isn't the right fit for us right now, but you know, here's, we always try to offer people like, Hey, why don't you look at this, you know, and be as helpful as we can. I like that approach. Scott, how about you? How do you find perfect community partners? Uh, usually drinking beer at the bar and talking to people. Um, it's amazing that everyone's into something. Um, people make things, they have hobbies, they're artists, um, they have bands, um, you know, they have passions, they have charities. Um, usually just conversation leads people down a path and, and then you start talking to, hey, can we, can we throw a pride party at the brewery next month? Like, all right, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and then you go down the path. And, and I found that, um, you know, like, like Jennifer, I'm, I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, lifting everybody up and letting people showcase their wares. And, and, and the brewery, I provide free space to anyone who wants to sell their products. We'll have artist fairs and 20 different artists showcasing things or, um, you know, the people who make their own homemade pickles or woodworking or, um, Harry Potter memorabilia or pet frogs, whatever it might be. Um, it's always interesting. Uh, it it's interesting to our guests and, and all the people creating these things need a venue to uh, showcase them. And, and just uh, I find as much as uh, I don't worry about event space because they probably drink and eat enough to pay for their booth anyway. And, uh, and they make it more interesting for all involved. Awesome. I've got a follow up for you, Scott. So in a past, past life, I was a concert promoter and I would have concerts that I would put on. Sometimes the band would bring 20 people. Sometimes the brand would bring, you know, 900 people. You know, how do you evaluate the success of a partnership, whether it's an event 
or just you know having a vendor out and watching how much they spend how are you looking at these relationships and judging whether or not oh i'll invite that person back or maybe we shouldn't do this one again yeah um i mean it's a it's a cost benefit analysis um with bands is probably one of the most difficult cases where you spend hundreds of dollars in a band and sometimes they bring just one girlfriend you know or or uh, or sometimes uh and, and really traveling bands in particular um don't generally bring anybody uh, is what we found out and uh local bands that have a local following are, are generally a better bet um but uh and and even then some acts have no marketing at all and uh, they just expect to play for people uh, versus people that actually do put an effort and bring 20 people with them which for a brewery or bar is much easier to pay for because you brought some income for a change so um you know, it, it's definitely important for folks to to market their own things, and uh, um, you know, like uh, bands that bring thirty people, they come back, and brands that don't, well, might not be the right place. <laughs> so, um, you know, Harvest Host has been a good relationship for us. Uh, we've provided a free place to stay and a great experience for a lot of folks, um, and uh, and they've provided us with uh, customers that drink a lot and then go sleep it off in their RV. So um, that's worked out really well, and I can't say enough good things about the program. And uh, you know, and it's very hard sometimes. A lot of most most folks approach a brewery wanting free beer. That's number one. Um, and uh, come support our event for exposure. Well, as we all know, exposure doesn't pay many bills. So um, you know, we 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 just have to take a look at every every case. And uh, okay, well, how does that help? You know, if we understand what we have to bring in but what how does that help us in our long long-term growth and plan as well and is it fair thanks for sharing that jennifer i'd love to hear your perspective on like metrics used to judge success of a partnership yeah um not much different from scott mm -hmm. a lot of them are cost benefit analysis um sometimes we bring stuff back just because we had so much fun with it <laughs> um but you know i would have to say he hit the nail on the head with you know again if, if you're bringing in a band um, you know, and they bring their own following, they're much more likely to come back um, than if, than if you know, we found the same thing with traveling bands. And we do our program a little bit differently. So we do live music at the brewery five days a week, um, you know, and that's, that's free for everyone. But we also do ticketed concerts um, of a couple of different sizes. So like at the end, as I mentioned before, that's kind of our private, uh, you know, intimate venue. You know, we only sell 75 to 100 tickets max. Most of the time, it's more like 30 to 40. Um, and we bring in local, only local um, singers and songwriters, you know, to help them kind of boost themselves. And then in our, uh, you know, larger event space, um, you know, we do still mostly local, but bigger bands. Um, we just actually, we have a, a one this Friday um, of our summer sessions. And those, those are a little bit more VIP. Uh, we do food in addition to beer and cocktails, you know, and, and those are much higher, you know, much more promoted. You know, we think a little more money into those. You're on mute, Andrew. I don't normally make that mistake. So thanks for calling me out, Scott. We're even now. So Wes and Sash, you know, looking at your relationship with breweries and wineries across the country, you know, looking at the metrics that you judge success, what do you want to see with regard to a relationship with a host? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll start by this. And we don't charge our host anything to be part of the program. Um, Jennifer and Scott, they don't give us any part of their sales. They don't pay any annual fee. There's no commitment. We don't require exclusivity. Um, 
so we're, we're truly huge advocates for local businesses and, and local communities. And, you know, you guys talk about hyper local and we're supporting that, albeit, you know, one step removed. Um, in terms of what we're looking for in terms of success, I think it's just providing great experience. Um, some hosts have thousands of visitors a year. Some have dozens. Uh, those are both making an equal impression on the folks that stay there. And so as long as they're providing an amazing experience, and that experience does not necessarily have to be a ton of different things or uh, nonstop programming, uh, but it's more of authenticity and just giving folks a, a true glimpse into what you do, sharing your craft and your trade, um, a level of hospitality. It, you know, that's kind of how we measure it at its base level. And I, I think our members agree because they're super happy, um, you know, satisfaction and with our program, with all the hosts as part of the programs through the roof. Um, I was just reading some of y'all's reviews. They're amazing and it's indicative of the entire network. So that's kind of how I think about the metrics there. Sash, I'll, I'll let you chime in as well, of course. On top of the, I feel like the experience is the biggest part in learning the trade. Like they don't typically have these opportunities where they can learn how beer is brewed or see what a tap room looks like or, you know, behind the scenes more. So I think not that everyone has to provide that, but those who do have the uh, opportunity to do so, it provides such a great, valuable experience. And I think the one last thing, staying on site, you get a little more of that after hours exposure, you know, the bar room's wrapping up and you're just walking to your RV. So you tend to have maybe a beer with the, the owners or the folks working there. And it just becomes a very authentic and genuine connection as a result of kind of how it's all structured. I couldn't agree more, Wes. And as someone who likes to travel a lot, I always love the places I can stay on site. The only thing now I need is an RV to make that happen. But you're right. It results in more intimate connections. And, you know, looking at the word destination, I think destination often implies that people are traveling there. Would you all agree to that? Perhaps we, we yep. can debate it too. That's the part of the conversation, you know? So when you say, you know, someone may travel to your brewery, to your winery, to your destination, whatever that may be, you know, how do you market to people and how do you get them to travel that distance to come see you wherever you may be? I, I think step one is making really great quality beer. Um, I, th I think that that, if you don't have that, you know, people are going to know that and they're, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to spend the time, the money or the effort to come see you. Um, you know, I think that's, that's number one. I think, you know, beyond that, it's, it's, you know, it is the hospitality. It's, it's, you know, having, having staff and having a place where people want to come and see you. Um, you know, we, we are a destination brewery, but I would say we're probably 80, probably 70, 30 locals versus, you know, people actually traveling to see us. Scott, how about you? Um, you know, a little different, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're in a city and, uh, and, um, you know, not many people really want to travel to suburbia in some other city. So, uh, so, um, we're, most people are on a, on their way somewhere else doing, you know, whatever life mission or family visit or travel or whatever it might be. Um, but our, our key is to be a place worth stopping and uh and give such a good experience that they want they can't wait to come back and we, we routinely have our harvest host friends say that that uh um you know the nicest place um you know despite being in the city just you know people pizza food beer dogs um you know my disco ball which i have in the brew house 
um, with lasers, you know, just there's, it's a, it's a fun place. And, uh, and um, we just make it a place that, uh, you know, you could stop at the Holiday Inn down the road, or you could stop here and have a great time. Now, Jennifer and Scott, are you actively marketing outside of initiatives like Harvest Host to people outside of your general area? You first. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm like, we, we do a significant amount of marketing. Can you uh, maybe clarify that question a little bit as, like, as far as our lodgings or as far like in what way? Yeah, I mean, so often we just market to those within the first few miles around a brewery, whether you're in a city or whether you're in a more destination-based location. But are you actively marketing to travelers? Are you actively marketing to people, say, you know, greater than 25 miles outside of where you may be? Kind or a lot of, of times maybe this comes organically just through word of mouth people yeah i mean that's that's what i was gonna say is you know we we have a uh you know not entirely worldwide but definitely a you know uk germany you know we have a, a lot of places that carry our beer uh we just china um you know so people hear about us from that on the on a you know on a much broader scale um you know but uh, i would say a very significant amount of our marketing is targeted locally yeah and your your, lo your local community is going to be the ones that make or break you, um, and other people stopping in are going to stop somewhere. Um, so you know we have a local loyal local following, and uh, we take very good care of them and make it a place that they're proud of. Um, but uh, you know I've tried every possible type of marketing after five years that I can think of besides smoke signals, and I'd try it. And, uh, you know, social media doesn't really get a whole lot of bang for the buck for what I think goes into it. Um, I've tried paper, I've tried TV, I've tried, um, you know, interesting events. Um, I think, uh, you know, probably the most, the best that bang for buck I've ever got out of marketing is I, I uh, purchased a sign on the interstate and just people coming through town that, oh, there's a brewery a mile off the way and just, um, it just routinely brings me a customer every day. And, uh, and most, uh, most methods of marketing, you spend a lot of money and you don't actually get any proof of any return, um, in any way. That's really interesting. Cause I've heard of some breweries doing billboards on the side of the road with zero results, but it's great based off your location. That's actually a method that works for you. So it's interesting to see how marketing varies across locations based on so much criteria. It's yeah, it's not a, and it's not a billboard per se. It's, uh, you know, the little food gas signs uh, that you see. Um, we have uh, we have one for an attraction for the city uh, who didn't have an attraction. And, and uh, um, essentially, uh, we give tours and that's the attraction. The big oh, beer. I like that a lot. So I guess at what point in your thinking, Scott, did you become more than a brewery? Was there that tipping point where you wanted to become that attraction versus just being a place people could have a beer? Um, I, I look at this place as, uh, you know, I'm a home brewer where my hobby got out of hand and um, now, now consumes my life and most of my life savings. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I've, um, I've evolved a lot on, you know, we're going to make beer and that's all we're going to worry about. Well, turns out there's a lot more to this than that. Um, there's community and there's relationships and there's, there's a, uh, distribution and sales and marketing and online presences and um you know and just it goes on and on and on um you know but but you know i i'm i'm originally canadian and uh which is my brewery colors happen to be red and white just saying um and and uh i just want this to be the friendliest place people have ever been and uh and um 
and it just kind of takes a life on its own from there. And Jennifer, you all have obviously been around for quite some time, recognized for your good beer. You have that great destination vibe going on already. You know, what's next? Is there anything planned for the roadmap to Jester King to make it an even greater destination? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we are really bad at resting on our laurels. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've got a lot of things in the works. Um, we're going to be expanding our plate um, We are in the process of kind of adding a... Um, food truck park to the, to our kind of our main area with our, with our own, um, food and beer. Um, you know, at, at the end, we're actually opening for breakfast next month. Um, so kind of attempting to capture people in the morning, have a few mimosas, have some breakfast tacos when the brewery opens, head over there, you know, to go see the goats, do live music, um, you know, really trying to make an all day experience. Um, Beyond that, you know, we we do want to expand our camping, um, you know, keep keep adding on to the farming aspects. Um, we tried to get a pumpkin patch going this year, but that might have to wait till next year. Um, you know, so we we definitely continually try to build on what we've already done um, and also keep investing into our land. Um, one of the things I really wanted to call out is that in this year we took over processing all of our wastewater um you know which from a sustainability aspect and from a you know ability for growth is a is a huge mile marker for us no i love that mission and so wes and sash looking at your plan for the future how do you hope to help breweries on a greater scale yeah i mean I, one we'd love to get more breweries on the network uh you know, we got four or five hundred and there's only nine thousand uh in, in the state so we're excited to get more and more breweries i you know, I think this year has shown that we just got to get our name out there. And it's been great partnering with with folks like you, Andrew, and your organization, as well as other folks in the brewery space. Because um, we, we do believe we're truly a win-win organization. Um, and so we want to keep growing our membership base, which in turn supports small businesses. This year, I think we're projected to pump $40 million back into local businesses. I want to take that to $100 million in a couple of years. Again, we don't take a dime of that. And so I, these help support Scott's home, home brewing activity uh, gone wild and Jennifer's plans to expand and, and hopefully we can you know be a small piece of that story and help uh, create some fun money to do these really, really interesting things um, in the brewery space and in other industries as well. Now, for everyone here today, we're all obviously passionate about creating experiences and transforming a space into a destination. If there's a brewery just starting out or, you know, who's focused historically on the beer, they make great beer, but they're looking to take it to the next level. What would you say they need to be doing right now? Is there that one action item or tip that's really helped you along the way that you'd like to pass along to another business? Scott, you want to go first? Mm. Um, you know, the, the best advice uh, for breweries specifically or anybody, <clears throat> uh, brewery specific, we'd love to keep it in the industry right now. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, the best piece of advice was given to me as it was given to the people before me when asked about, uh, starting a brewery and that was don't, <laughs> uh, and they were right. Uh, it turns out to be a lot harder and more expensive and it will consume your every living moment for the next for well, so far six years. So, um, but uh, do it because you love it, not because it's gonna make you any money. Yeah, I would entirely agree with that. Um, you know, the, the margins aren't great in our industry, but everyone who's in it, it tends to be very passionate about what we do. Um, 
you know, for us, I would say if someone's looking to take their brewery and, and head towards being a destination, you don't have to have all, all the stuff that we have. You don't have to have 165 acres. You don't, you know, you don't. Um, it's about connecting with your community and connecting with people um, and deciding what kind of experiences you want to create. Like I said, we lean pretty heavily on our programming, um, but all of it is designed to connect with people. I like it. No, Wes and Sash, anything else you'd like to throw out there from your experiences just interacting with so many breweries and wineries? Sash, I'll go first. Sure. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is just taking that small step. I mean, Jester King, you guys have five our beers a night for us we only require one to be able to start on the program and you could do it one night a week if you wanted so that's a good a good place to start is just a couple of nights a week with one rv and you can you know scale it up from there but it doesn't have to be a big lift or anything big and scary to to step into and i would say that applies to all the things that you're trying to bring to your brewery start with one night of trivia or start with one night of live music and you know work your way into a full scale event schedule but just taking that one step to start is probably the best place Wes? Yeah, I think just what keep doing what you're doing, like the collegiality and the enthusiasm and the energy coming from the brewery space is amazing. Um, going to these events and conferences and meeting and talking to our brewery host, it's just super fun to be connected with this industry. Uh, you guys are doing wild and crazy stuff and super creative things to um, connect folks and connect people with your beers and your business and it's fun to be a part of the ride so keep, keep doing what you're doing i love hearing things like yoga in two forms and <laughs> all the different programming you guys are putting on it's amazing for our members uh to be able to experience that when they're on the road traveling kind of stumble into these amazing events and activities uh, and have a great time doing it so thank you for, for all you guys are doing in the brewery space and west for any breweries interested in being a host where can they learn more yeah, go to harvesthost.com. It's host with an S. Um, and there's a tab on there called Become a Host. Just fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you. You, you have to talk to our team and we can answer questions. Or if you're ready to sign up, just go ahead and fill out your application. We'll get you live on the network. Um, love to keep growing the brewery space. It's such an amazing industry and so fun to be associated with. Indeed. And Jennifer, for anyone to look into experience virtually the Jester King space, you know, where's the best place to get a little inspiration? Yeah, um, our website at jesterkingbrewery.com really um, is pretty robust. It talks about, you know, everything from all of our beers, um, our food, our experiences, our events. You know, it's a really great place to, to really dig into all the spaces we have um, and see, you know, what, what might interest them to come out and, and experience with us. Very cool. And Scott, for people who can learn more about your brewery and connect with you, where can they do so? Uh, well, the best way to do it's in person. Uh, belly up to the bar and, and get a beer. I love it. Uh, and talk to the locals. Um, go take a look at the big tanks. It's open for people to come look at and uh, and just uh, yeah, get the full experience. And Sash, is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. We're just glad to be here today. Well, I appreciate all of you, you know, Wes, Jennifer, Sash, Scott, it's been really fun having a conversation about, you know, the unique partnership Harvest Host has with breweries and just the general importance of creating overall experiences. There's been so many mentions of community today. I think that's why we all go to those breweries, like Scott just said, to get belly up to the bar, to meet some people over the shared love of craft beer, to see something and experience something new. So I appreciate all of you. Have a wonderful rest of the day and see you soon. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bye, everybody.
If you like this content, please subscribe, share with other craft beer professionals, and give us a five-star review. Cheers.